Good morning, everybody, and welcome to New Vine Community Church. We are very happy to have each and every one of you here with us today, and welcome to those who are watching online today as well. All right, I'd like to invite everybody to stand. We'll have a word of prayer and then get started with worship. Lord, I want to thank you for bringing us all together here today safely. I want to thank you for everything you've done in our lives throughout the week and everything we know you'll continue to do. We just ask that you come be in our midst today as we worship you. In name we pray. Amen. Tender and 
Great are 
Amen. All right, everybody take a second and turn around and say hello to somebody. If you're new here, go ahead and pick up one of these forms from the seat back in front of you, fill it out, and drop it in the offering bag as it goes through. The annual chili cook-off is today after the 11 a.m. service. Please stay and eat lunch with us. This is a fundraiser for summer youth camp, so we will take donations. Thanks for supporting New Vine Youth. The New Vine Youth Laundry Soap Sale is going on now through March 3rd. You can pay with cash, check, card, or digital payments. See the tech booth for the order form and check out the good deals we have to offer. Thank you. Pick up a bag of eggs, fill them, and bring them back by March 17th. The Kids' Egg Hunt is Sunday, March 24th at 4.30. Thanks for watching the announcements. If you need any more information, go to our website or pick up a bulletin. Thanks for being here and enjoy the service. All right. Wow, I have batteries now. Yay. First service, I didn't, it died in the middle of it, so I'm walking slowly. I hurt my Achilles tendon. I know. My wife says I'm stupid, and I am stupid. <clears throat> I pray and walk every day here <clears throat> for the 30 minutes, and then if you've ever seen the back steps, I run them. Well, I can't do that anymore because my 18-year-old thing's wearing off. So anyway, um, Right after serves chili cook-off. So if you want to stay and eat chili, it's just a donation. If you can't stay, I'll stick a red bowl over there. It's for youth, the youth. And so it's good. So there's, how many categories are there now? I know, oh, four, but there, we got all kinds of chili. So anybody make like really hot? Jim, you did hot? Hellfire chili? All right. Anyway, stick afters and, and, uh, the way you vote, I think what you put a dollar. A dollar per thing to vote for it, then, then, the, then the person who wins gets a free trip to downtown Franklin, which is a great town. I love it. Yeah. You sell those? Oh, they sell votes, right, a dollar. Okay. Well, it's sort of like the regular politics. You can buy a vote. 
If you didn't get a chance to get some eggs on the way out, take these and uh, fill them up with candy and bring them back. Our Easter egg hunt is the week before Easter. Easter is the 31st, okay? It's not today. So, anyway. Um, <clears throat> been praying for a friend of mine. His name's Perry, and, and uh, we, I prayed for him last Sunday, and he was in the hospital with liver cancer, and he died. Um, he, they moved him to hospice, and they expected him to live a couple weeks, and he died that, that night. So pray for his family's funerals like Wednesday or Tuesday here. Here, Donna, his wife's name's Donna. So and a couple kids and, and brothers and sisters. His mother's still alive. So keep him in prayer. Okay. So let's uh, pray for the offering. So Lord, thank you that we can give to you. Thank you that you gave it all for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. How we doing? You guys all right? So we've been in a series on interacting with God through our five senses. And today we are going to be looking at smell, which is sort of appropriate because we could probably smell that chili and you're distracted and you don't want to listen because you just want to eat the chili, right? At least that's what I want to do. Yeah, so we'll just, so we're done, let's just eat the chili. No, I'm kidding. But we've been working through this series, and today we're going to be talking about smell. Um, but before we start, I always like to take a little bit of time just to be still and to be uh, quiet and, and just open our hearts up to God. If you're, if you're like me, you come in here distracted sometimes, right? So I kind of had a crazy morning. You guys, anybody have a crazy morning? Right, and so you you drag that in here, and so it's um, I think it's important sometimes to just to take a moment to pause to let that stuff be what it is, and to open our hearts up to God. Good, does that make sense? So let's take a few moments simply to to do that. If you fall asleep, it's fine. Just take a nap, and uh, and we'll get going. So uh, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you just open our hearts to you, that you just come and that you just meet us here. In this moment.
Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can come and gather and worship, be with one another. We thank you that we can come and reflect on these scriptures and ask ourselves the question how it connects to our lives today. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come, that you just open our hearts and minds to you. Thank you that we can be here. In Jesus' name, everybody said. For the last couple of weeks, my wife has been obsessed with a new chapstick that she's bought. And she just keeps on going on and on and on about this chapstick and how it smells and how she loves it. And the other day she comes, like, so this has been going on for like a week and a half or so. Has it been a week and a half? Something like that, yeah. About a week and a half of her just ranting and raving about chapstick, which I'm just like, it's just chapstick. Like, who cares? Like, seriously? And she comes in the other day, and she's like, I figured it out. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm thinking, like, what did you solve? Like, the meaning of life? Like, <laughs> world peace and hunger? You figured, like... She goes, I figured out the chapstick. And I'm like, what? And she's like, it smells like the lotion my mom used to wear when I was a little girl and she would take me to her work. And it was the lotion that she had on her desk and I'd always put it on my hands and I would smell it. And it reminds me of that smell. Ever have this kind of, this thing happen where you smell something and it reminds you something else. My Uncle Denny used to come to church here before he passed away, and he would wear a particular cologne every now and again that reminded me of my granddad. It was the cologne that my granddad used to wear. And I loved that smell, and I'd always ask him, like, hey, what kind of cologne are you wearing? And he would never tell me because he was just that way. He was, like, holding it over me. And so I never figured out what the cologne was. But smell is this interesting thing. It, researchers tell us that it, it's very deeply connected to our memory and to our emotions. And um, did anybody lose their smell during COVID? So I remember during the summer of 2020, I got up one morning and I made my coffee. And, and we weren't allowed to go anywhere because everybody was locked down. So... Made my coffee, went out, sat on my front porch, and was drinking my coffee, and I just kept smelling burnt paper. And I'm like, what in the world is that smell? And I'm like, I'm smelling my coffee, and it smelled like burnt paper. And I couldn't figure it out. And then later on in the afternoon, I went to get in my car to get something, and it had been hot that kind of that afternoon, and the sun was beating down on the car, and I opened up my car door, and once again, I smelled burnt paper. I'm like, what in the world is wrong with me? And then later that evening, we were cooking. I was out in the backyard grilling. And the heat off of the grill, even before I had anything on the grill, just the heat off of the grill, it smelled like burnt paper once again. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, you've lost your scent. Everything smells exactly the same to you. And I don't know what it was. I think it was just I was smelling heat, to be honest with you. Um, but smells this really interesting thing that God has given us and that he actually uses to connect with us. Notice what it says here 
in Exodus. So, give you a little background here. God has rescued his people from Egypt. He has brought them through the wilderness. They're getting ready to, uh, they've set up a tabernacle, which was like this traveling tent that would one day become the temple. But for now, it's just sort of this traveling tent where the priests would go in and meet with God. And he gives them instructions on how to interact with him. This is God giving Moses instructions on how to interact with, with him through this. He says, make an altar of Akia wood for burning incense. Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar, Aaron being Moses' brother, who was the first high priest. He says, Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. He must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight, so incense will burn regularly before the Lord for the generations to come. Continues in verse 34, he says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Take fragrant spices, gum risin. I don't know how to say these next two words, so I'm just going to give it a try. Anicha and Galbanam and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts, and make a fragrant blend of incense, the work of a perfumer. It is to be salted and pure and sacred. Grind some of it into powder and place it in front of the Ark of the Covenant Law in the Tent of Meeting, where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. Do not make any incense with this formula for yourselves. Consider it holy to the Lord. And whoever makes incense like it to enjoy its fragrance must be cut off from their people. And and so what's going on here? God has given them a particular recipe, if you will, of incense that is only to be used in one place, which was in this place in the tabernacle and eventually in the temple in Jerusalem. And, and so the idea is simply this. This is, this is my smell, God is essentially saying. This is my smell. And I want you, when you smell it, to be reminded of me. Good? Does that make sense so far? My father-in-law, Dave has a particular cologne that he wears that he's worn now for 20-something years. And he always smells great. And my daughter, when she smells that smell, who do you think she thinks of? She thinks of Papaw. That's Papaw's scent. So she smells somebody else wearing it out in town or at a mall or somewhere, she always is reminded when she smells that smell of her papal. I remember when she was a little girl, we were driving somewhere, and she was talking about Dave, and she goes, I just love papal. He smells exactly how he's supposed to. <laughs> because that smell reminded her of his presence. Does that make sense? So what God is doing here is God is, this is God's cologne. This is his scent. And it's to be only used during worship to remind the people of his presence. And so perhaps you could say it like this. In, in the scriptures, when incense is used, it's used for two reasons. The first reason is used to remind the people of the Lord's presence. Good? Now, early Christians, and even in the Jewish tradition, they carried on with this custom. And so if you went to a real church... 
before the service would even start, there would be a priest in his robe, not in a black sweatshirt or Hawaiian shirt or whatever dad wears these days. And they would take something like this, a censer, and they would fill it with incense, and they would work around the room, waving it back and forth, and filling the room with the smell of the incense. Good? Make sense? Now, to us, this is just, I don't know, some weird tradition. But it had, it had a sacred meaning, but it also had practical meaning or purpose as well. Think about living in a world where people don't have access to running water. Think about a world where people don't have access to showers. And then you all gather up in a room, and you're singing, and you're worshiping, and how do you think it's going to smell? Not the best, right? I served in Iraq in 2003. We didn't have showers for a, a long time. You, it didn't always smell the best, yeah? And so this had a practical purpose, this incense. It covered the stench of, the, of, of our life in the same way you could say that God's grace covers the stench of our sin. And so your day-to-day life is just grime in the ancient world. It's dirty. It's gross. There's not running water. It's, it's dark and disgusting And yet, once a week, people would gather. Once a week, people would come to worship. And they would step into this room. They would step into a building. They would step into, you could possibly say, even a a separate reality. Because in this space, it didn't smell. And I don't know if you've ever studied ancient church buildings, but they're beautiful. Beautiful murals all over the walls, and which, with advancement in technology, became... Uh, stained glass windows that stole, that told the story of God's gospel, the story of his of his people, and you would they didn't have slideshows; they had these pictures on the wall that would perhaps the priest could point to as he was preaching. And so the rest of your life is dark and grimy and gross, but at least one day a week you got to step into a, a separate reality. You could say you get to step into heaven on earth. Does this make sense? And so God gives these people instructions to create this fragrance so that when they would smell it, they would be reminded of God and his goodness, his grace, and his presence. Good? But that's not the only purpose that incense uh, was used for in the scriptures. Notice what it says in Psalm 141. The writer says this, he says, I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me, hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like, and what's it say? Incense. And may the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. In Luke chapter 1, there's another story about a man named Zechariah. If you remember, Zechariah was John the Baptist's father. He was a priest. And his job as a priest was from time to time to go into the temple to offer sacrifices and prayers on behalf of the people. Notice the details here. It says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. 
He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembly, all assembled worshipers were, what were they doing? They were praying outside. Then notice this in Revelation. It says this. Revelation, uh, John, the writer John has been given this vision of a number of things. But in this vision, he's in heaven and he sees this happening. He says, another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people. On the golden altar in front of the throne, the the smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. And so the first purpose of incense in the scriptures was to remind the people of God's presence. But what we see going on here in these passages is that incense was used for a second purpose. You would bring it, you would give it to a priest, they would burn it. And as the smoke worked its way up into the sky, into the heavens where God was seated, it represented their prayers that they were offering to God. So perhaps you could say it like this. Incense in the scriptures is used to remind the people of the Lord's presence. And it is used to remind the Lord of the people's prayers. I have a study at my house that used to... function, but now it's just a junk room that we've thrown everything into and I can't get in there. But for a long time, I would have a practice where I would burn incense and pray. And obviously from this custom here. And my kids always love to come in and mess with it and light it and they love the smell of it. But for me, it always, it, that particular incense that I would use would remind me of God. Now, As the, as the story of God unfolds and as people began to reflect on this, the Apostle Paul took great notice of this incense burning. Paul was a Pharisee, which meant he was very strict when it came to his understanding of the law and following the law. And as he, he was so strict, in fact, that at first, He was against this Jesus movement because he thought it was blasphemy. And so he was so zealot, if you will, towards the law that had been given to them that he was obsessed with stopping this whole Jesus thing from going on to the point where he would chase and hunt down Christians, would persecute them, would have them arrested, would even kill them. And then he had this moment of clarity as he was actually making his way to arrest more Christians where he saw he had a vision of Jesus. And while he was having this vision, all of a sudden he became blind. And I think that the reason that the Lord made him blind or perhaps it just he became blind is because it was, in a sense, a, a lesson for him to understand that the way that he was seeing all of this was like a blind man trying to see. That he wasn't seeing it clearly. Later on in his story, another Christian prays for him and he receives his sight again. 
And I think it's this, this picture or this moment where all of a sudden his eyes are opened and now he sees clearly about this Jesus being this Messiah, being the one that God had sent. And so he deep re, deeply reflected on the scriptures and how they connected to this Jesus. And he began to see all of these ways that this Jesus and the way that he lived somehow pointed back to these old traditions that they had had. That this Jesus in some sort of strange, mystical, mysterious way was this lamb that for in their tradition they would sacrifice once a year for atonement. That somehow this Jesus represented that. That this Jesus somehow, he was as he lived his life, was working out all of these old traditions that they had. Notice what he says here in Ephesians about Jesus. He says, Following God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a, what's it say there? A fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. What he's essentially saying here is that somehow, instead of Jesus offering, you can go back real fast, instead of Jesus offering you guys are doing back there. Go back. To, yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Instead of Jesus offering sacrifices, instead of Jesus offering incense as prayers, that somehow his life represented those things. That his life, if you will, was like a prayer. Like his life in somehow, some way was like a sacrifice. He was like this living sacrifice. Yeah? Notice what it says here in 2 Corinthians. Paul talking about us, and as we imitate Christ, how our lives should be. He says, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. And, And so perhaps you could say it like this. Jesus lived in such a way that his life was like a prayer to his father, a pleasing aroma. And that as Christians, as we imitate Christ, as we try to follow in his footsteps, our lives are also to be a prayer. Our lives are also to be a pleasing aroma to God, which raises the question, well, how do we live in such a way that we, are ple- that we are a pleasing aroma to God. Two thoughts. Number one. I believe it begins with practicing compassion and kindness. There's this interesting story in the, in the Gospels about this woman who gets caught in adultery. And so she's cheating on her spouse with some guy. And the religious leaders find out about it, and they snatch her up. Apparently, they leave the dude. But they snatch, up, they snatch her up, and they bring her before Jesus. And within their tradition, within their law, she, she should be executed for her sins here. And one of the ways that they would do that is they would stone people, which would be horrifying. And so they bring her before Jesus to test him, to trap him. To see if he will go with the laws of Moses or go against the laws of Moses. And they say to him, 
you know, what should we do here? What's interesting about how Jesus responds to this uh, situation is that he responds with compassion. He responds with kindness. Where everybody else has a rock in their hand and they're ready to tee off, he says to them, well, whoever doesn't have any sin, you can be the first to cast a stone. And the story goes that they all drop their stones and they leave. And then he forgives her and tells her to go to walk away from this lifestyle. But he treats her with compassion and with kindness. The question that we have to ask ourselves all the time is where do we find ourselves in this story? If you're like me, you probably find yourself with a stone in your hand. You find yourself ready to tee off. You find yourself sitting in that judgment seat with someone who has hurt you or someone who's wronged you or someone that is just not living the way that you think that they should be living. And you're ready to tee off. The question is, is that posture pleasing to God? Is it a pleasing aroma? Jesus demonstrates compassion. Jesus demonstrates kindness. Jesus sees the reality of the brokenness that this woman is caught in, and yet he doesn't judge her. He forgives. And he extends grace. He extends compassion. He extends kindness. We live in a world where people are always constantly trying to get us to pick up a stone. We live in a world where we are constantly being influenced to judge and, and to make people our enemies because they don't think like us, they don't look like us, they don't, they're not into the same things that we're into. And the question is, is, do we approach our situations and circumstances with kindness and compassion or do we hold on to that stone? Yeah. Second thing, not only are we called to to practice kindness and compassion, but I think it's important that if we're going to be a pleasing aroma, if our life is going to be a prayer that God is pleased with, then it also confronts us with the reality. Are we cultivating gratitude and contentment? It's easy to get discontent. It's easy to not be satisfied. It's easy to take things and people for granted. And if we're going to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord, then I think it's important that we recognize that we've been given a gift. Your life is a gift. Look to the person next to you. That person is a gift. Some of you are like, I don't know about that. The, the simple fact that we sat here and we're breathing is a gift. And how do we respond to the gift? Are we happy with what we've been given? Are we happy with the things that we have? Or do we want more? There's nothing wrong with ambition. There's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with getting things. But when we miss 
the reality that this whole thing is a grace, we're going to find our hearts yearning for something that we don't need. Now, why is this so important? The reason I think it's so important is because it blocks two relationships. Number one, it blocks your relationship with other people. Because when you don't have, or when you're not grateful for the things that you do have, it's easy to look to your neighbor and think, man, I wish I had their life. It's easy to look to the people on Facebook and think, man, they have such a perfect life and ours is not. And you want. And in that wanting, you either betray the people that love you or you make enemies of the people who have the things that you want. Does this make sense? And, and, and so it can escalate. It can escalate into violence. It can escalate into malice and hatred. Wanting to take from people who have things that you don't have. Or wanting to live a life that is not yours to live. Does this make sense? And so it's terribly important that we learn to be content. It's terribly important that we learn to live with gratitude for the gifts and the things that we do have. And as we learn to live a life of compassion and kindness on one hand towards those that it's, easily, that it's easy to judge or that we, we want to judge, and we learn to live with gratitude and contentment with the things that we do have, it begins to open our hearts in a way to God that, that perhaps were closed before. And so my question for you is this. How do you smell? Is your life a pleasing aroma to God? Do you live a life of compassion and kindness? Do you live a life of gratitude and contentment? Or is it something else? Is it something unpleasant? Is there a stench still? And I know that in my own life, there's, still, there's always still a stench. And yet, God's grace fills the room. God's grace fills the room of our heart, covering over that stench. But it doesn't stop us from, from, from still following in the way of Christ and living in such a way that our life is a prayer, that our life is a pleasing aroma to God. Yeah? Make sense? All right. You guys good? You guys want to eat some chili? Yeah? Because I'm done. So, two questions. What is God saying to you? In what ways is your life a pleasing aroma? In what ways is it unpleasing? What, what are the things that God can reveal so that you can begin to move forward in following Jesus? And what is one thing or a couple things that you can do about it this week? And so we're going to take a few moments simply to reflect on this, and then we're going to share communion together. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come, that you just speak to our hearts in these next few moments.
All right, amen. If you have one of these, grab it and take it out. Every week we take part in this reminder, this ritual, that we are all welcome at Jesus' table. And every week we pray this prayer, this Lord's Prayer, as a way of centering our hearts and our minds. But a couple of weeks ago we decided that we were also going to pray a prayer of confession and a prayer for our enemies because we live in a world that is constantly trying to divide us. We live in a world where our media is constantly pointing out who the enemies are when the reality is that everyone is made in the image of God and everyone is our brother and sister. And so we felt that it would be important for us to start practicing praying for our enemies, praying for the people that have hurt us, praying for the people who have betrayed us, people that perhaps we even may harbor hate in our hearts for. And as we do this as a congregation, hopefully over time it will transform us because as Christians we are called to bring unity. We understand that there's a bigger kingdom that we're all called to be a part of. And so take a few seconds just to think about perhaps someone this week that's, that you're at odds with. Whether it be someone at your work, someone in your family, maybe it's just somebody on Facebook that you don't like, what they post. Take, take a few moments simply to think about that, and then I'll offer a prayer for all of us, and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. So, Father, we come before you, and we confess that we have sinned. We've sinned in words and in thoughts and in deeds, in things that we have done and things that we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. And, Father, we just ask for your forgiveness. And as we receive your grace, as we receive your forgiveness, Father, give us the grace to extend it to people in our lives who have hurt us, who have harmed us, who we're at odds with. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your mercy as we pray the prayer together that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup of wine. He said, This is the blood of the new covenant that's been shed for you. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Do this in remembrance of me. 
Later, reflecting on this, the Apostle Paul said that every time you and I, we gather and we take this bread and we drink from this cup, proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns, which means we remember what Jesus did. We remember that he broke himself and poured himself out for us, and that we're reminded that as the body of Christ, every day we are called to take part, to do the same, to be broken and poured out for the people in our lives. So take the bread, look at the person next to you, and say, the body of Christ broken for you. In the cup, the blood of Christ shed for you. All right. Amen. So I'll stand and grab hands with the person next to you if you like. We will pray. And if you want to stick around for some chili, by all means, please do. I think we have. Yes. And you can donate stuff on the way out if you got a bounce. Well, you do, try, get, a, get a to-go box? That's all right. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll check. Good? All right, let's pray. So, Father, we just thank you for this Jesus who shows us what it looks like to live a life that is a prayer pleasing to you. Father, we ask that you just give us the grace to follow in those footsteps, to imitate him. And so we ask this week as, as we go that you just... Be with us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you guide and keep us. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. See you guys.